The blind stares of a million pairs of eyes Looking hard but won't realize That they will never see the pee Yes, sir. We are right back at it. All eyes on Cleveland. I am your host, Brad Ward, excited to bring you another edition of the show with very special guest, Shane Carter, writer for Inside the Star, covering the Dallas Cowboys and host of Dem Boys Podcast. Go check it out where all popular podcasts are found. We'll join us tonight for a lengthy conversation. We will talk about Dak Prescott, Zeke Elliott, We'll talk about the Browns, Njoku, is he getting bad information? What do the Browns want in return for him if they were to move him? We'll talk about how far they might be behind because of this offseason. Talk about Chubb and what to do with him, extension, franchise tag, etc. But we've got news around the NFL. No fans in New York, not for the Jets or the Giants as they come down today. Uh, it was that ruling. Antonio Brown retires, if you want to call it that. Do you believe him? Plus, we react to pro football talks. Preseason power rankings. Did they get it right? Where did they get it wrong? We'll hash it all out for you. And plus, I've got your update on the NFL. NFL, PA, negotiations, like always. Make sure you're on top of things so we can make sure we can play some football uh, this season, early September is when it's slated for. You start getting excited. It's all eyes on Cleveland. There it is. We are back in full effect. All eyes on Cleveland. I'm Brad Ward. We will be joined shortly by Shane Carter for an interview. Uh, A very good interview. We're going to hash it all out. Browns talk about Dak Prescott as he covers the Cowboys. We're going to react to PFT's preseason power rankings. Where did they get it right? Where did they get it wrong? Talk about David and Joku. What's going on with his trade rumors? Uh, updates on that. Plus, I'll come back after the interview. Update you on everything with the NFL, NFLPA, as uh, the owners are meeting as we speak here on Monday night to hopefully get some of this resolved, if not all of the health and safety stuff, so players can report to camp without any grievances filed by the players. Union, and we can anticipate football uh, here in the f- near future, hopefully in uh, first week 
or uh, 10 days, what is it, September 10th, I think, something like that. First 10 days or so of September. Glad you're with us. Mike, you can kill that. Thank you. Glad you're with us here tonight on All Eyes on Cleveland, another edition. You can catch all of our episodes where all popular podcasts are found iTunes, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn app, Radio.com, and Google Play will be published tomorrow morning at USA Today Sports Media Group's TheBrownsWire.com. Plus, you can go to the webpage, AllEyesOnCleveland.com. The T-shirts are flying off the shelves like hotcakes since Eric Metcalf posted his shirt, uh, All Eyes on Cleveland, of him smoking the cigar on Twitter, and everybody uh, saw the all Beautiful all eyes on T, all eyes on Clee T's, pardon me. And uh, you can go to at all eyes on Clee on Twitter, and it is the pinned tweet. So the very top tweet on the timeline when you go to that handle where you can get your all eyes on Cleveland t shirt. They are popular right now. You better get them. Get out and get them. Got this interview here with Shane Carter. I know you're going to enjoy it. We're going to get right to it. I'll come back afterwards and update you. Hopefully, they're out of the meeting with the owners, but we've got some updates already on everything with the NFL, NFL PA, anticipating a hopeful agreement soon so that players can report to camp on the 28th and we can anticipate Browns football in 2020. Here is... The one and only Shane Carter and myself hashing it all out for you tonight on All Eyes on Cleveland. Enjoy. And I'm excited to bring on the show today friend of show, a uh, friend of mine, and his second appearance on the show, Shane Carter. You can follow him on Twitter at Shane Carter TX. Uh, he writes uh, on the Dallas Cowboys for Inside the Star and is the host of them boys podcast you can catch that podcast by following that link on twitter or that handle on twitter which is at them boys podcast shane how are we doing brother it's going good man how are you doing up there how are you doing good so, you know hoping for a chance to kick off you know the owners are in the meetings right now and uh, hoping for some good news today you know what i mean yeah i mean i know the I know the, the rookies are supposed to report, and uh, the players have been tweeting out that they want to play, but they're trying to be safe. So, I mean, you know, I think the, I think everyone's just trying to wait to the last possible second for something to happen. I, I think they're kind of just, like, going with emotions and waiting to see what happens. Yeah, so, I, you know, I had Tony Pauline from Pro Football Network on the show, and he broke some news, you know, this was like three weeks ago on – that morning on his own show, and he came on my show that night and talked about it and stuff. So I haven't been following it pretty closely ever since, the issues and everything. And uh, I basically do, like, a, a basically, like, an update every every show. So I'll probably do that at the end of today's show. Um, but uh, it's pretty, uh, you know, they got, they got some stuff to get through. The opt-outs, uh, I'm kind of on leaning towards the player side at this point. At this point, I don't, you know, I want them to agree, but like, I don't know. I feel like the union should have made some decisions on this stuff already. No, I I totally agree, and I I mean, obviously, we want football back, and you see other professional leagues like finding ways to compete, whether it's like no fans or 
some kind of separation or wearing masks or whatever. It's harder for football because not only does a lot of the revenue come from live viewings and people being at the event, but this is a contact sport, probably the most contact sport because, I mean, even the kickers are, yeah. are contacted in some way. <laughs> even the kickers yeah. are. And so it's kind of hard for them to, like, say, okay, we'll play. We're going to limit contact. But how? How how do they do that? That that'll be that'll yeah. be interesting to see. My you know, my my whole thing on it is like testing, right? So like if you can and you know, science didn't do us any favors on this one. Like like by this point, a couple months ago, I think everybody thought that we would be further along with like the rapid response testing, like tests that you can give somebody and get back in like a couple hours. Mm-hmm. They'll tell you if you're negative or positive. But and by doing that then you could have, you know, tested everybody game day or every day before practice and know that you're kind of creating a bubble on the field. Like nobody goes on that field unless they're negative, right? And right. Uh, and that would make people feel a lot safer. Um, but they're still at, you know, you know, players want daily testing. The NFL wants every other day. Uh, that's one of the issues they need to come out with. Once again, I mean, the, the medical guys on this have advised uh, every day. I think they should test every day. Uh, I know it's expensive, but if you don't want to lose, you know, if you want any chance of not losing all the money that you would lose on a season or any chance of getting this season done, I feel like it should be done every day, and you should try to create that bubble on the field. Like, you should feel, like, 90% sure that all the players on the field are, are negative. You know what I mean? Yeah, when it comes to medical advice, I tend to lean to people who actually work in the medical field. And if the medical people are saying, <laughs> let's let's yeah. test every day, and the coach is saying, oh, do it every other day, I'm probably going to do with the guy who's actually, you know, licensed exactly. and practice medicine to say we should test every day. But that's, yeah. just my, I, that's what I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, you know, I just kind of feel like whatever the dudes that are advising you on this, I mean, you're football people, right? But whatever the, you know, the medical guys are saying is probably the way you should go. Right. I I agree. All right. Well, let's, let's do this. Let's get into some of this stuff here. I want to talk about the curious case of Dak Prescott. What a mess, brother. (laughs) What a mess. So, you know, First of all, are you surprised that they didn't get a deal done? Well, I mean, if you had asked this a few months ago, I'd have said, yeah, I'd be real surprised because I didn't think the Cowboys really wanted to have that cap hit on uh, 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 the the salary tag on their cap hit. But, I mean, as it went more and more along, we got closer and closer to it, it just seemed like, you know, Dak and his reps and the front office were speaking two different languages trying to get a deal done the last possible second. So, um, over time, I'm, I got less and less surprised. But in the grand scheme of it all, I'm actually very surprised that, you know, I don't know if it came, I don't know if it was like that the Cowboys front office just wanting now the, the quarterback market and that it fluctuates more than any other position, or that the Cowboys just had a number that they were not going to go to even if they had their franchise quarterback, and. It was more arrogance on their part than anything else. So I don't know which one it is, but I'm not yeah. going to yeah, I'm not going to win the quarterback because he's. They had four years of a discount. They had they had four years of him playing on a fourth rounder's salary, and when it comes time to pay him, 
I mean, all all of a sudden he, he asks for money that he's he's earned, like every other player who's been in his position. And all of a sudden we're going to say, no, we're not going to give you this much. We'll give you this much though, even though that's below market price. Here's the here's the crazy thing about this. Let me ask you this question before I get into that. What do you, do you think Dak is a uh, he's a t- you think he's top ten quarterback in the league right now, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, where where would where would you have him at? You think? Okay, so ballpark. So like, so I don't know where I'd rank him in the top ten, but I only feel comfortable saying that I think four quarterbacks for sure right now are better than him from this point going forward. Okay. Mahomes, Russell Wilson, uh, Deshaun Watson, and Lamar Jackson are the only quarterbacks in the NFL present day that I think right now are better than Dak. Now, there are some other quarterbacks that are in that same kind of realm that compete with them, but yeah. I don't know if any of them are so much better that I'm, 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 I'm going to rank them ahead of him. So I think Dak, at the most, is the fifth-best quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, I, that's what I, was gonna, I was actually going to ask you. I have him kind of towards like five or six probably is where I would land him. You know, mm-hmm. Wentz, Matt Ryan, Matt Stafford, right. those guys are all like right in that same uh, boat, right? But mm-hmm. but that's like so he's up there. But for some reason, people don't want to give him that credit, right? They just yeah. don't look at him like that. He is that good. His numbers are good. That that good. He's proved it. But people don't want to do it. So like when he was only. Like there was a point in this contract negotiation where it was like twenty—he could have been had for like twenty-five mil a year, mm-hmm. and and they in the Cowboys are going. Wait a minute, Russell Wilson makes twenty-five million dollars a year. That's not Russell Wilson, so we're not going to pay. You know what I mean? But like right. as it goes, you know, then you know what the franchise tag is at it. What like thirty-one, right? Uh, yeah, thirty-one million. And then you know where it, along the way all these guys start getting the deals, and then the Mahomes deal really threw a wrench at things. Half a billion dollars, it's team friendly, you know. Mm-hmm. But have by the time that it's halfway through, he's going to be a bargain on that deal, right? So yep. at the same time, you look at this Dak Prescott situation, and you're like, man, the Cowboys really missed the boat on this because. Even though he was asking for, it sounds like around thirty-five, right? Between mm-hmm. thirty-three and thirty-five a year, probably a little more than that. I think their final offer was like, where where was the disconnect? Was it on the? It was on the years, right? The disconnect wasn't on the money per year; it was on the amount of years, wasn't it? It looks like yeah, the the, the money per year wasn't the issue because that's the thing that the Cowboys can use to work with the cap. Right. It was both like guaranteed money because they were offering him like less than what Goff and Wentz were earning, even though he wanted to be either at or more. Yeah. And also the Cowboys wanted to give him a five year deal so they could spread the cap out more. Dak wanted a four year deal so he could so in a couple of years he could re enter the quarterback market and reset right. it the way Russell Wilson did. Yeah, he wants to get back to the table in four years, exactly. And and you can't really blame him for that. But now that they have done this or not signing him or not getting this done, the Cowboys have really screwed themselves, in my opinion. Because if he plays well again, he comes back next year, his tag number goes all the way up to $38 million next year. Yep. So, you, so now you're negotiating against that number. 
right? Any uh-huh. other deals that get done. If you do a four-year deal at this point, right, or uh-huh. whatever, you're looking at upwards of $40 million a year. Like, they they missed their chance, like, to actually sign him at a reasonable rate. At this time, the price is just going to keep it continuing to go up. No, you're absolutely right. And if you if we wind the clocks back at the market March of twenty nineteen during free agency, when Dak when Dak officially entered his third year, when you can start uh sending people their contracts in the third year, his his number really would have been somewhere from twenty eight to thirty mil a year. And now yeah. we fast forward to today, he ain't taking a penny less than thirty five a year. So the Cowboys are costing themselves more money, like you said. And what's worse for them at least is that like you said, other contracts are coming. Deshaun Watson is due for a contract. Lamar Jackson is due for a contract. If your guy Baker Mayfield, if he plays well this year, like he did his rookie year with all his new weapons, his new offense, his new offensive line, if he plays well, he's going to get a new contract. Yeah, There's just more and more quarterbacks going to get paid, and they're going to reset the market. You know, no one's going to get paid uh, Mahomes' money just yet. But what it's done is it's, it's raised the floor to Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is no longer a ceiling. He's the floor. All these new quarterbacks are going to get about 35 mil a year, and that's the starting price. It's, yeah. it's all going to be high, it's all going to be higher than that. So the Cowboys just cost themselves more money. Yeah, like they they really did. And and the crazy thing, when you look at the money on the tags, right? So if they continue to tag him, 38 million next year if they chose to tag him again, and then it goes all the way to 54 million. Dollars. <laughs> I mean, and that's the that's the. I mean, that's crazy. And that even the transition tag, which would be a cheaper option, is at forty five. I mean, they are in a rough spot right now. So yeah, they want to go back to the table and hit they didn't want to them long term. They're gonna pay. They're gonna have to pay upwards of forty million dollars, and that is crazy because you could have had him this year by just shortening it one year. You know what I mean? I, I ultimately don't know why they would not. I don't know. I don't know why they would not. I, I kind of blame both sides. Like Dak, I get it too. Like you want your money, but at the same time, you don't want to end up like you. I would think you would want to stay in Dallas, right? Right. Like you don't want to end up someplace else where you don't have these kind of weapons, where they're not going to be competitive every year. You know what I mean? And you have to rebuild a whole franchise or something. But that could happen if they choose to leave you at the table next year, which is very possible. Yeah, no, and plus people forget he grew up a Cowboys fan. He would like this is. I mean, how yeah. many kids? How many kids like they grow up like uh, favoring a team, favoring a position, and they grow up and get to live to actually live that dream? You know, yeah. like uh, up there, how how many kids uh, were were running around like wearing Jim Brown jerseys or? Uh, or Bernie Kosar jerseys want want to be want to be that for the Browns. Exactly. Like uh, like uh, remember Brady Quinn when he got drafted by the Browns? They had the yep. picture of him when he was in the Bernie jersey. He was in the Bernie jersey when he was a kid. Yep. He got to live. He got to live it. Yeah. Nah, and so, no doubt. And this this is a this is like the rare opportunity. So I think you're right. I think he'd want to stay in Dallas, and I think he wants to ultimately ultimately stay in Dallas. I think he yeah. also knows that whatever number he agrees to is going to affect the next person. So I think he's not doing himself. He's trying to take care of himself. He's trying to make sure the next guy that gets paid doesn't get screwed over either. Yeah, but let's say so. Let's say their final offer, which was rumored to be, let's say one seventy-five for five years, right? Mm-hmm. That's thirty-five a year. Okay. Um, 
and, and whatever the guaranteed number that he wanted to get. So let's say that was his final offer. I, I feel like I don't understand why he wouldn't take that. Uh, I get that he wants to come back to the table a year earlier, but by taking the franchise tag, you're not coming back a year earlier now for sure, unless you're coming with a different from a different team. Yeah, no, I agree. I, uh, I, in, in negotiations, and I mean, we see all the time, both sides have to cave a little bit, give something up. I think the Cowboys exactly. said, the Cowboys said, okay, we'll give you more uh, money, but give us one more year on on the deal so we can spread this out a little more. Dak, it looked like, was more willing to waver on the money per year, but he was, like, dead set on, I want a four-year deal because I can renegotiate three. Yep. Yeah. And really, I mean, you're right. There's, there's a little bit of blame on both sides, and I'm not sure which one deserves more blame, but, I mean, here we are. Here we are today. I, but. I think I would blame the Cowboys more. Uh, you know, I understand the guy trying to get a guy in the NFL, you know, trying to get, you know, you only get so many years to play, right? I understand mm-hmm. trying to set yourself up for life. You don't know it's going to happen, injury, all that other stuff, right? Yeah. Um, which is kind of another reason that you would say, Dak, just sign the deal, right? You don't know what's going to happen. Make sure you're guaranteed and set up for life. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, he's continuing to bet on himself uh, with this, right? You know, because a down year or an injury or anything could throw a wrench in, you know, his future um, in the NFL. But at the same time, you know, I feel like Dallas should have came and gave him exactly what he wanted because he's a top 10 quarterback. He's a franchise guy. He's your guy. I mean, I think he's going to have you competitive every year. I feel like that you should be ready to pay him when that guy is there. It's the quarterbacks don't grow on trees, right? Right. And, you know, and I think it's crazy that fans, both like on Twitter and around, and around the NFL fandom, are saying he should take less money, he should sign a deal, he should be grateful. When the reality is, like, no one ever said this stuff when Derek Carr, Carson, Jared Goff, any of these other guys were setting the market for the for the quarterbacks. When it's time for Dak to do it, all of a sudden there's an issue. And people are saying that, that he should take less so, uh, so his other play, so that other players can get a piece of the pie. When the reality is that people seem to forget that contracts can be, like, uh, NFL contracts, they can, they can be wiggled with, they can be messed with in order to make room on the cap. Because – Essentially, and not a lot of people agree with me on this, but I said that the, the uh, salary cap is just bookkeeping. It's for, it's for the money people, so they can keep track of who's getting paid what. Yeah. There's way there's ways to pay everybody. I mean, how else do you explain the Rams having Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, Aaron Donald, and Jalen Ramsey all on the roster last year, and yeah. and Brandon Cooks, who has one of the worst contracts in football? I mean, yeah. I think he's, great, he's a great receiver because he's getting hurt. Yeah, it, sometimes it's it's baffling. Like uh, I was talking uh, last week about. Um, you know, I, I go to whatever overthecap.com and, and I was on the show and I was talking about the Mahomes deal and the Chris Jones deal in the same week. And I'm going, wait, they got $6 million left in cap room for this year. <laughs> what in the hell is going on here? Right. You know what I mean? And, yep. and, but that's, you're exactly right. And I said, that's, that's it. You know, you, you can front load it, you can back load it, you can, you know, get some of it paid in uh, incentives. You can get some of some of it paid in bonuses for just showing up for X, Y, or Z. You can mm-hmm. get some of it paid in guaranteed signing bonus that'll get paid out over X amount of years that won't count against your cap for that year. It's crazy. You know, if you get a guy in there that knows what he's doing, you can really do some cap gymnastics and make it work. 
Yeah, you can you can make nine million in cap space by taking someone who has a one year ten million dollar deal, turning that into a two year five million dollar deal, and taking four of that five million as a signing bonus. That way, you only yeah. own one mil for that year instead of ten. So exactly. they can manipulate the cap. So like, get that out of the way. And also, people need to get their hands out of people's pockets and tell Dak not to take that much money when if they were in the same situation, they try and get as much as they could. Because like you yeah. said, you know, football ain't forever. Right. You can't. There's not a lot of longevity in football. Like baseball is like a really good sport for longevity if you're good enough and you're healthy enough. Football, you know, most you know, most careers are like two to four years long at the most, and they try and max out as much money as they can. Yeah, I mean, you gotta, every single time you get that opportunity to get that contract, you really have to max it out because that's that, that's the only. You I mean you may only get those what the three four paydays in your lifetime, so they better be pretty damn big, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so there, there's a curious case of Dak Prescott. Interesting stuff. Now, he's uh, represented by Todd France, who also represents Aaron Donald, DeAndre Hopkins, Fletcher Cox. Interestingly enough, he works for CAA, and CAA represents Schefter and Rappaport, which is, I thought was kind of interesting. So when you're hearing Schefter oh. and Rappaport, you know, reporting on all this Dak, Dak Prescott stuff, he's probably, probably pretty right on the money, right? Yeah. Yeah, nice pun on the money. I just didn't even mean to do it. How about that? Uh, All right. So let's talk about Zeke here. Um, He is feeling disrespected, I guess. Uh, I kind of laughed at all this stuff. I talked a little little about it last week on the show, but uh, Elliot wrote on Twitter um, that he isn't getting the respect he deserves. There are a lot of great backs in this league, but I don't understand why the media has to talk down on my game just to uplift other backs. We are all talented football players and can ball, Elliot wrote. Check the stats. Since I entered the league, I have dominated year in and year out. Put some respect on my name. Women lie, men lie, the stats don't go to your homework. Almost 100 or 1,800 yards, uh, scrimmage yards, 14 TDs with no training camp, and now I'm not the same back. I do appreciate the standard you guys hold me to, though, LOL, but I promise you no one holds me to a higher standard than myself. What's he talking about? You know, I, I think he's talking about that NFL, the uh, – the, the post out there that an anonymous, I don't you love that, an anonymous source said that they thought that Zeke wasn't even a top 10 back, that he's 11th at the most. And Zeke obviously took that as an insult. And I think that's kind of ironic because hopefully that, hopefully that scout thinks that Dak Prescott is that good of a quarterback because some people are saying, you know, Dak ain't a good quarterback. he got Zeke and his receivers and the line. Yeah, but like, but if Zeke ain't a good back, then you're saying Dak's a quarterback. But if Dak ain't a quarterback, Zeke's a good back. So something's got to give. You know, and I think, and I think it's easy to feel disrespected, especially, especially like when, when you're part of like the, like, you know, I hate to say it, but like you're part of the biggest sports brand in America, maybe the world, that anything you do wrong is put like on display. Any, anything, like if you take like one step back, oh, it looks like you took a giant step back. Yeah. Because like that, that's, that's the, that's the danger of playing, playing as a cowboy because if you're a star and you play for the Cowboys, you're among the stars. Like I'm talking about like the actual stars out in space. Like they find constellations made out of you or something like that. But have I, you, I, have you like, seen a decline in his game? Well, not really. I just seen, I've seen more of them not needing to use him as much, which is both, which is smart because they're paying him as one of the top paid running backs in the game. 
Right. But also, like, they see that Dak has evolved as a passer. They've uh, they've added weapons for him to use on the passing game. They want to be able to use all this stuff. And, I mean, if you have if you have a Ferrari, a Lambo, and a Vet on your garage, why would you just drive one, right? Right, yeah. No, I feel you on that for sure. Uh, I just, you know, I guess I haven't watched enough Cowboys to understand where a lot of this criticism is coming from, but there is some criticism. So, you know, the, in this article, just this article, and it's from Pro Football Talk, and it, it says, but it is fair to question how much of the credit Elliott deserves for those yards, how much credit belongs to the Cowboys' offensive line. So they're basically crediting uh, into a strong passing game, consistently helping uh, keeping the defense from stacking the line to stop him. Uh, regardless, Elliott gets plenty of respect from fans, media, and from the Cowboys who gave him a lucrative contract extension. But like many athletes, Elliott seems to draw inspiration from telling himself he's disrespected, which is true, right? Um, yeah. But at the same time, you know, and they're, I guess in this article they're just crediting kind of the, everybody else but him and that he's a product of that. If that was the truth, they wouldn't have signed him to that deal. Yeah, no, they wouldn't. And let's be honest, if if we're, if if Zeke doesn't get credit because of his offensive line, then no running back that gets over a thousand or eleven hundred yards a season gets credit because they must have a good offensive line. Yeah. You know, y'all y'all's guy Nick Chubb went just out to fifteen hundred yards, I think. Yeah. And you know, outside of the uh, outside of one of the tackle spots, y- y'all had a great interior offensive line. Y'all were great at running the football. But I mean, is Nick Chubb that good of a back, or do y'all just have like that good of a of an offensive line? Is Derrick Henry that good of a back, or is they just have to look at offensive line? Same thing with Lamar, with Lamar and their running game, or Dalvin Cook, or Joe Mixon, or Josh Jacobs, or Marlon Mack, or any of these other running backs out there that break thousand yards and get a lot of touchdowns. And so, I mean, where, where's the where's the uh, where's the line drawn? You know, at what point? I is guess. The... Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. I guess they're kind of saying that the like. The Cowboys' offensive line is pretty stacked, right? Right, yeah. And I guess that's kind of the point. Like, you can find we everybody, uh, not all these 1,000-yard rushers, like for the Browns, like last year, like, you know, left tackle was, was bad, right guard was real bad. But, the, you know, he still found a way uh, to to rush like that. I guess, you, I, I don't know, That's you're right. Where do you draw the line? I mean, it's all it's a gray area, and really, you can only credit a guy for what he's what he does. But I, right. it's unfair criticism, um, and I agree that some of it though is him liking the uh, the doubt, I guess you know, and a lot of players are like that. Yeah, and I mean it makes sense, you know, if, if you are one of the elite backs, and he is one of the elite backs, and you feel any kind of criticism towards you is unwarranted, you know. You're going to react some type of way. Some guys don't say nothing and they go out and ball. Some guys talk talk mess and go out and ball. Some guys talk mess and don't show up at all. So I'm really yeah. more, so Zeke already talked mess. Now he's got to back it up. Because you don't want to be the guy that talks mess and does nothing like Le'Veon Bell. You don't want to be that guy. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, another guy that says he's back this year, so we'll see about that too. But uh, just wanted to hit on the uh, Zeke. Stuff and kind of really just ask you if you had seen any decline in his game, but really just you, you're saying just kind of a decline in his usage maybe a little bit, right? Yeah, they, they haven't had to depend on him since Amari got there. Michael Gallup took the next step. Blake Jarwin is a new tight end, and he's been like he's been that athletic tight end who, that they've been missing for a long time, so they haven't really needed to rely on him as much. 
So anytime he has the ball, he's still going to get like, you know, five, six yards a carry. He's still going to get a th- over a thousand yards a year. He's still going to get his numbers. He just won't be looked on as much. Do you think like, I mean, I guess this is the ultimate question. If mm-hmm. you're a Cowboys fan, do you look at his contract and kind of regret it at this point or not? No, I think he earned it. And I'm all about paying players that earn their contracts. If, uh, there's, if there's a regret later on, then that, that's management's problem because they're the ones who paid them. Yeah. And, and no, also, no I get that. I'm just saying, like, with running backs, this is a really tricky situation. Yeah. Right? You ever extend a running back? Some people are just anti, I'm never extending running back, no matter what, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, and, and some people are, are just like, oh, you know, I would rather franchise tag him, pay him more now, and not have to make that long-term commitment. You know, you saw what, you know, uh, Henry got his extension, but it wasn't it wasn't anywhere near the money that some of the other deals we've seen, mm-hmm. um, which I think the Titans kind of played that that um, narrative with him, you know, uh, to negotiate that out, you know, the lower payday. But yeah, we're going to give you some longevity here, and here's here's why X Y Z because a lot of teams have gotten on running back deals, second deals. Yeah. No, so, no, you're right. It's it's the running backs probably get hit more than anybody else despite the even despite offensive linemen because you're asking them to not only carry the rock, take the beating from a defensive lineman, pass block, catch catch the pass out the backfield and they get hit by linebackers. Running backs take probably more punishment than anybody anybody else. So it's understandable you don't want to pay them. But what's worse is when you have that elite back, you've been looking for that elite back, and you let them go, you know. Over, over yeah. contract issues. The reality yeah. is, like his, his uh, guaranteed money is over, I think either a year or two years from now. So if they if they think he's on the decline and they don't want him anymore, and in a, in a year or two they can they can uh, swallow the cap hit and they can let him go if they really want to. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's where it comes into being real smart how that deal gets structured. But certainly, uh, it's it's always a decision. No matter how good the back is, you know, it's like. Is he special enough? Like, you know, Christian McCaffrey, no doubt, right? That was a no-brainer. Yep. He's a different kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does it all. That's a no-doubt extension. But, like, for Nick Chubb next year, mm-hmm. you know, what, is that a no-doubter? I don't know. I mean, is he special enough to say that you sign him to an extension? I think because he's such a good guy off the field, I'd be kind of wanting to do that, and he's such a hard worker that I, that I would want to extend him. But – at the same time, maybe you play this. Maybe you play the uh, franchise tag game a little, a couple, a couple years with him, because who knows about the wear and tear? You know, it's also funny is that I think if Nick Chubb had started at his rookie season like the, the entire time, not just uh, I think it was I think he started like ten games, like six games into the season. Yeah, yeah. I, he probably eclipses like thirteen hundred yards again. So that's like just out of three thousand yards for two seasons, and so yeah. essentially he carried the offense. Um, uh, whenever, whenever Baker would have, was having issues, his issues. Baker Mayfield is one of those like kind of like enigma quarterbacks that y'all got up there. One game he'll look like the guy, and next game he'll look like what are you doing? Like another Browns quarterback. Yeah. And I think just as for your guy, I think at this next year, if Baker Mayfield goes out there and plays more like his rookie self, and Nick Chubb and looked at on the defense as much, your guy could be could be the Russian champ. And if he's the Russian champ. Uh, there's no reason why they wouldn't pay him. Yeah. I mean, he had it last year. He was up by 140-some yards going into the last week. And um, 
or after the Browns game going into the final game and Henry ran for like 200 some, right? Yeah, that was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. So he had that and the Browns only gave him the ball like 10 times in week uh in the final week of the season. He only for like 47 yards. So he goes in with like a, you know, a buck 50 lead. You think he's got it, right? You know, and mm-hmm. there goes Henry and he rushes like crazy and he ends up losing that. The year before, he goes over a thousand yards when he's a rookie and then takes a loss of uh like five yards on a play, goes back under a thousand yards, uh, and then they never get him over again. So two two crazy scenarios with him, uh stats wise. Good it's a good thing he's not a guy that cares about that kind of stuff, so uh, but th- that's for sure. Let's let's do this. Expectations for the uh, Cowboys. Where? What are your expectations uh, as far as win? Like, uh, are are they a ten win team for you, Shane? They are. Okay, so the so the bottom I think is eight wins. The most I'm looking at is twelve. So they're eight to twelve wins based on their schedule. Mm-hmm. I think. I think. You know, I think, honestly, I think they'll probably sweep the Giants and, and the Washington, whatever they are, again, just because both those teams, like, improved a little bit, but they also had, like, they're still, they're still a ways away. I think they'll probably split with the Eagles again because the Cowboys and the Eagles would love to split the series with each other. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why. I think they'll probably have one surprise win and one surprise loss. I think, I think next year the surprise win would probably be either Baltimore or San Francisco, just because like they they played San Francisco pretty well historically, and Baltimore yeah. the, Baltimore and the Cowboys actually match up pretty well with each other. Yeah. So so I could see I'd be on a surprise win possibly in terms of like a surprise loss. Uh, you know the Browns are gonna be good. I I think y'all have a shot at being maybe like a nine ten win team as well, especially given y'all's schedule. And I think that another team that could be a surprise loss would be the Cardinals because. You know, Kyler Murray one is an early uh, MVP favorite of mine, and yeah. I think they have the best receiving trio in the game, like starting receiving trio in the game with Hopkins, Christian Kirk, and Larry Fitzgerald, who just doesn't age and doesn't drop passes. Yeah. I think uh, so. I, I see. Yeah, I see eight to twelve wins for the Cowboys this year. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I like I like uh, that team. I mean, they're pretty much loaded. I, I think they get ten wins this year and kind of. I, I don't see. The competition really being there in the division, um, maybe the Eagles, like you said, but I just think it's the Cowboys' uh, year. I think uh, they have a good shot to make a run at things this year. You know, I loved what they did in the draft. C.D. Lamb, Trevin Diggs, and Neville Gallimore, <laughs> all all three of those guys are guys that I absolutely love. So, mm-hmm. uh, and you add Lamb to that mix with uh, Gallup and them, um, you know, it's just going to be. Uh, you're, they've really loaded up uh, on offense and on defense. Had a great free agency, right? Having some veterans. Uh, mm-hmm. what, I like um, I like y'all's I like y'all's draft just as much because what what I would appreciate teams that pick for need, but I also appreciate teams who recognize their first three or four needs, and they're able to find those players. And y'all got Grant Delpit and Jacob Phillips and Jordan Elliott and Jedrick Willis all in all those first four rounds. And y'all even got a little luxury pick with one of my favorite tight ends. Uh, but, but, sorry, I forgot that. Harrison Bryant. Yeah. Uh, I I loved y'all's draft because y'all got a bunch of my favorite players. And if you look at, at the very least, if y'all look at y'all starters, there's not really a hole. And like all, all the starters, look like they're taken. 
Yeah. Which is good. You never want to go into the season not wondering, like, okay, we're, we're going to have competition for the starting spot. It looks like y'all know who's going to start. Y'all's, y'all's competition is going to be for who's going to back them up. Yeah. And that's, that's good news. That's great news. Yeah. Defensively, I think there. I don't think there's a question of who will start. I just think it is a kind of a question as what kind of defense they'll be um, as a whole. They, I think they could be good. It's just their their linebacking core is very questionable. I think at this point, um, you know, I love Mac and, and I really like it. Oh yeah. Phillips, but they're they're just guys that are so young, you know. Um, well, I think behind putting, that, I, there's not a lot of depth. Go ahead. I, I, I was going to say, putting Sione, uh, his name is Sione, Sione, Taki Taki. Yeah, Taki Taki, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, moving him to the mic is good for a couple reasons. One, it means he don't have to play out in space like the Will or the Sand does. He can focus mostly on what the quarterback and the running backs do. And he allows, like, those athletic guys like Jacob Phillips and Mac Wilson to do more of the dirty work. He can focus more on calling out the plays and stuffing the run. Which is good because you want athletic guys like like uh, Mac Wilson and Jacob Phillips being the guys covering uh, the runs coming the, coming on the outside, the tight ends, slots, all those guys. So I think that was a good move for them to do that. And uh, you're right. I think I think the linebacker position might be a bit of a question mark, but I don't think there's any question that y'all have at the very least not the top young linebacker in Mac Wilson, but one of them at the very yeah. least the one who's not being looked at the most. Yeah, um, you know, his certainly um, the athleticism is there, and uh, the, he's got some of everything. I really like him a lot. Basically, it's just about the mental thing. You know, he had Schobert there basically kind of putting him in the right place for every play last year. It's like, how can he come along, you know, mentally? Um, mm-hmm. How quickly does he pick up the defense and and being a leader on that side of the ball? Because that's basically what he's going to have to do. So that'll be interesting for sure. Uh, let's transition. Let's get as we're talking about the Browns. And you are listening to All Eyes on Cleveland with special guest, friend of show Shane Carter. Um, he writes on the Dallas Cowboys, as uh, hence all the Cowboys talk uh, for Inside <laughs> Star. And he's the host of Dem Boys Podcast. Go check it out uh, where all popular podcasts are found, right? Uh, that's where you can get them, what, Apple, uh, Spotify, all, the good, all those good ones, Google. Yeah, it's on all the formats. It's also on the actual sites themselves. So, I mean, there's really you can't, like, go wrong. We make sure to put them all there. And there you go. That's how you do it. You get it everywhere. So uh, check that out when you get a chance. Uh, he is the host of that show and uh, was kind enough to spend some time with here with us today. He used to cover the Browns, so uh, helping us out with uh, some Brown stuff here now as we transition over there and talk about David and Joku. Oh, my gosh. All right, so uh, basically the update on Joku, well, he demanded a trade after saying that, uh, um, you know, Hooper got signed immediately. He goes to second, right, on the uh, tight end list. And then they drafted your guy, right, uh, Harris. And, and, uh, Harrison Bryant. Yeah, Harrison Bryant. That's what I meant to say. Uh, and uh, he uh, basically um, said on that day, he tweeted out, like, competition? No, man, I love it. You know, we'll make each other better. So then – so I'm like, great attitude, you know, perfect, you know, all that stuff. And then he signs Rosenhaus as his agent. Two days later, he's demanding a trade. 
one team has called reportedly. I heard this today from Dustin Fox on 923's fans. One team has called in regards to Njoku, and uh, the Browns will not move him for anything less than a third-round pick is what he said today. Um, so thoughts on all of that. You know, uh, I think he's getting bad advice personally um, because of the offense that Stansky is bringing. You're talking two tight ends all the time. Uh, I still think he would have got his touches and could have had kind of a breakout year. But uh, let's uh, let's get your take on Njoku, and uh, I think the Cowboys are one of the teams we're really interested in him. Yeah, uh, the Cowboys were one of the few teams that called. Uh, I think the, the whole thing that like I guess scares teams from Njoku is uh, what was the injury from last year, right? Right. You know, he he missed like most of the season for for, for a broken wrist. He had a I think he suffered a concussion at some point earlier on in the year. And which is too bad because the year before, uh, when it was just him, when it was like him, Baker, and Jarvis being the three-headed monster along with, with Chubb in 2018, uh, you know, he had his best year. He had a year where people thought, okay, this guy actually might be the next, you know, uh, Pro Bowl tight end. He really he could be like he could be special. Yeah, because he, he had like I think he had like 60 catches, 600 yards. He he had a yeah. good season for him. Yeah. And then he goes into this year as the obvious tight end one. There was no one really competing against him. And he gets hurt, and they and they suffer for it because Baker, whenever he was under 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 duress, he looks for Jarvis and he looks for his tight end, and mm-hmm. his tight and his tight end wasn't there. Yeah, and so I mean, I think I think that's why the pushback for teams wanted to sign him is the injury. A third round pick is a little rich because because for for one, you have to look at who who all got who all got traded for what, right? I can go back a couple months and look at DeAndre Hopkins, who was ridiculously traded for a second, a first, and uh, and a player, David Johnson. So you might say, oh, they got three things together. The reality is that the height of that of that uh, trade was a second round pick when he's worth a first. And Joku, I have a hard time believing he's worth a third. Uh, the only thing that might uh, make make it worth a third is if like one, he he has a good season for you, and also you you do get his uh, his rights to a fifth year option. I think I think the Browns has to, be, has to be more realistic about what they can get for him. I think you can ask for a third. A team probably counters with like a sixth or a fifth, and you might be able to get you might be able to package a player and and like a high fourth, low like a, a high fifth, low fourth type of player. I think that's more what you're likely going to get from him, just like I, based on. Good. I agree. I think you're right on as far as what kind of offers they'll get. Now, as a Browns fan, do I want them to make that move? No. Mm-hmm. To me, but, that's not worth it. And I don't think Andrew, I don't think Barry thinks it's worth it either. I think that Barry is willing to um, just just stand pat and keep him and see if he, you know what I mean? I, I think he, I think he's willing to keep him. I mean, is that a dangerous game to play with a guy that's requested a trade? I guess, but I mean, really, I think he's getting bad advice because the Browns did pick up that option year on him. There wasn't many players around the league that got that option picked up mm-hmm. on him. They showed some confidence in him there. They're bringing in this new offense that's going to run a ton of 12 and 21 personnel and have him in you know, two tight ends of the game all the time. That they're going to throw to the tight ends a ton. I, I just don't. I just think he's getting really bad advice. I just think he could have had a big year. For Cleveland, and I think Cleveland had had him as part of their plans. 
Yeah, no, they probably did. But, I mean, you also remember they did use a fourth-round pick on Harrison Bryant. And fourth-round picks, those 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 ain't, no, those ain't like, no throwaway picks. Those are still quality players that you think are going to contribute this year. Yeah. I, I, I uh, When I scouted Harrison Bryant, I thought he was the best pure receiver amongst all tight ends in this past year's, past year's class. He wasn't, he's not a great blocker. Neither is Njoku. Njoku and, and Bryant Njoku. both are, like, are, are good receivers. They're good athletes, not great blockers. Neither is really Hooper. Yeah, Hooper is uh, in terms of like all the tight ends in the league. I think he's probably he's. I think he's top five. He might be fourth, but he's not. Yeah. You know, he's not. He's not Kelsey. He's not Kittle. He's not Ertz. He might be like the next guy after that. Yeah. And so and so Hooper comes in. He's probably the presumptive tight end number one, right? And Joku's For thinking, sure. okay, okay, yeah. I, I saw Stefanski run a lot of like you said a lot of twelve personnel in Minnesota with Herb Smith and Kyle Rudolph. Look, he and I can do that together. So right. Exactly. There's a pop, so there's a possibility that one, there was rumors already that the Browns were gonna trade him, or maybe he heard he heard like a little bit of rumblings that maybe the Browns weren't that high on him to begin with going in because, you know, like like you said, Hugh Jackson was the one who who drafted him, and this is their fourth <laughs> fourth different head coach since they drafted him. Yeah. And so just because Hugh was high on him and Dorsey was high on him, all right, no. No, it wasn't Dorsey. Yeah. It was a uh, yeah, yeah, right. It, that was Dorsey's first year. That was Dorsey's first year. You know, this is this is a new regime. New regimes call for new coaches, new players. So just because like these guys like them, I mean, these guys do. It's true. Um, I think uh, I don't know. I think Barry will. I think Barry will hold firm there. I mean, there's a thin line with with guys like this, right? Mm-hmm. Like Duke Johnson last year when he requested a trade. I was like, get him the hell out of here. Like, you don't want to be here. <laughs> I don't want you here, right? Like, there's yeah. just a certain, at some point when you're a Browns fan, you've heard that so many times, you're just like, you only want guys that want to be here. Right. And I feel that way towards Njoku, but at the same time, he's so talented. Like, and, like the the potential is there to really be a weapon. Yep. And I, I hate to see him walk for pennies on the dollar. And But that may be what they're forced to do. We'll see. Barry claims he has no problem hanging on to him. Uh, do you get a malcontent there in the locker room? I don't know. Uh, you know, really, Rosenhaus, I think, got planted this whole thing in his head that, you know, as your agent, I feel like well, we can find you a better room somewhere else. Um, he may have to put together this trade himself. Rosenhaus has done that a lot of times. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, to get this done, if he really wants him out of Cleveland, I think. Yeah, no, and it's it's not it's no mistake that he rep- he represents uh, Njoku. They're both they're both the U guys. They're both from Miami. Yep. Yeah. And Andrew Rosenhaus has a lot of ties to the Cowboys because Jimmy Johnson was the coach at the U. Yeah. Uh, Michael Michael Irvin represent got represented by Drew Rosenhaus too, both from the U, and so Rosenhaus has a lot of ties to the Cowboys. So, so I think that's one reason why we heard that is because of the agent and the ties to Dallas. Because yeah. Jerry Jones has done a lot of work with Rosenhaus over the years. Yeah, and it's possible that you know Njoku, maybe he wanted to go, to, maybe he wants to go to the Cowboys. I haven't heard any, I haven't heard anything in terms of like where he wants to go. He might just think like, okay, there's a good chance I'm going to get. You know, to be tied in one or tied in two here, I want to go somewhere who, somewhere to a team that needs me, 
and needs another tight end that, that will appreciate me. And the Cowboys, outside of their number one tight end, they need another one. So it makes sense. Yeah. They, they, it makes sense they inquired about him. It does make sense there, and he would be a good fit probably there um, with those weapons. So uh, it's interesting, something to keep an eye on for sure. You're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland as we proceed here uh, to give you what you need. We got uh, uh, Shane Carter, friend of show, writer for the Dallas Cowboys, Inside the Star, and host of Dem Boys podcast on here with us visiting. We're talking Browns now. How far behind are the Browns going to be, Shane, you know, because of this off-season stuff? It's always tough whenever you have new management and new coaches come in because everyone's got to get acclimated. Everyone's got to learn the system. Everyone's got to, you know, do their part to get caught up. But everything's been delayed. Everything's been slowed down. And so that's going to hurt me even more. To be fair, that's affected every team. A lot of these teams that already had the same coaches, same regime, same teammates from before, so they've already familiar with everything. Yeah. And, and there's no, I have no doubt that the coaches have reached out to the players, gave them copies of the playbook. They've told them the ways they can work out the same shape and whatnot. But it's not the same as actually getting in to the building, actually getting in there with your teammates, practicing and all that. It, it's it's going to be tough for them, especially on the year where, you know, it's, it's ironic your podcast called All Eyes on Cleveland. All eyes are going to be on Cleveland this year. Yeah. They have, they have their guy. They have their presumed franchise quarterback in Baker Mayfield, who had a fantastic rookie year. He had a decline in his, in his sophomore year where, you know, I think it's unfair to judge him too much on that because I thought some games he looked good. Some games he did look bad, but some games he, some games he did look good. Yeah. They're coming into a year where they have all these new pieces on offense, all these new pieces on defense an offensive-friendly head coach. Yeah. I think, you know, the disadvantage of not being able to be there, plus a new regime, is going to hurt a little bit. But it puts them on equal playing field with, like, other teams in their division, like the Ravens and the Steelers, because they also, even though it's the same coaches, they've missed the same amount of time as they have. Yeah, it's – I think it's – the deficit, at least for the first few games, is going to be real. Uh, you know, we're talking complete offensive overall. There, you know, no OTAs for installs. Now they, you know, supposedly they put together a really good, you know, virtual uh, setup, and they felt good about what they did there. And and you know, Andrew Barry is turning out to be the real deal for sure. I don't know if you saw that poll uh, from executives around the league about uh, you know guys that they respect in the league and he was like among the top already or like among the top three or four already, which is pretty incredible. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think he's the real deal. And, uh, I think that, um, they're in good hands there. And I feel like Stefanski and him put together a good plan for the virtual off season. Those players talked about that a lot. So, you know, as much as you could be behind it. Hopefully they close that gap a little bit with what they've been able to do, but there's not, there's no substitute for time spent together, time spent on the field, actually installing the offense, learning the language. And that, and that's just something that, you know, other teams don't have to deal with, that, that the Browns are going to have to deal with, and that's going to be a real deficit, you know, um, for them as they start the season. Now, can they, you know, get it together after a few games? Can they still beat people early? I think so. Who knows, right? But 
um, it's going to be something that they have to be aware of, certainly, I would think. And I totally agree. I, every team's going to be in the same boat. And you're right. I mean, there's a lot of respect for uh, Andrew Barry around the league. You know, he's coming in as the uh, the Sean McBay of GMs, this young upstart yeah. who's, uh, who's looking to turn things around. He He's he's lucky enough that he's able to inherit a lot of really good players because the one thing the Browns really do have that they hadn't had in a long time is they have a lot of talent. You know, I don't know what it was, but – Cleveland, for, the Browns for a long time were kind of allergic to finding talent, or if they did, they would develop <laughs> it for somebody for somebody else. Yeah. And uh-huh. this in this in this regime, they have the most talent in in a long time. I mean, I, I can't remember the last time I saw a Cleveland team this stacked on offensive defense. Maybe twenty years, maybe something like that. Maybe since like maybe since before they left left for Baltimore. After that. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. I mean, you think about. And you think about what Andrew Barry did, and, and you know, while we're talking about him, one of the things that I think that we see a lot is when a new regime comes in, they just want all their own people, right? And the coach wants all his own players, and he'll, like, turn over a whole roster in a matter of two years, no matter how good it was, just because of, like, ego, you know? Mm-hmm. And he inherited a good roster, and he just added to it instead of turning it over. And I think that um, is to be commended. I think a lot of times people do the opposite just out of pure ego. So I thought that was uh, – I was afraid he was going to come in and turn over a lot, you know. But um probably helps that he spent some time here. Probably helps that he was here for a period of time with Dorsey, who made a lot of these changes. So um it all – it all uh, looks good again without all the hype uh, from last year. So hopefully they can pull it all together. You know, so far Stefanski's been impressive, but you know, the proof doesn't. It's got to ha- take place on the field. You know, we uh, we did this last year too, so and uh, it didn't turn out too well. You know what I mean? No, I I, I totally agree, and I. And the reality is that last year was kind of a letdown because last year with the arrival of Odell Beckham and the new regime and and at the sophomore year for Baker Mayfield, there was a lot of hype around it. The good yep. thing is the, the hype's probably died down a little bit, I guess because people thought it was a bit of a tease. But, you know, I think this team's – honestly, this team looks better than the last team did, at least at the start of the season. So I agree. He's, he's got that going for him. I don't think we had any idea – like how bad, like Freddie was such a good guy and everybody liked him and because of what happened the year before, we had no idea that like he how over his you know you know um, it's just like the the stuff you hear now it's just crazy you know and mm-hmm. just abandoning game plans after you know uh, the first quarter and and you know just it just. It was uh, it was something that I don't think anybody could have seen coming that he was just that inept for that position, not ready to do that. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, it was too bad. A disappointment. I mean, I I do unfortunately I lay a lot of of their failure at his feet. Um, now they had some bad breaks, and certainly Baker was uh, inaccurate at times, but a lot of the blame I, I lay at at Freddie's feet. So. 
I'm hoping they can bounce back from that. Yeah, I do too. Uh, let's uh, move on, Shane. Let's do some NFL news here. So a lot actually happening just while we were talking here. So we've got news out of that big meeting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the NFL and NFL Players Association have agreed to daily COVID-19 testing. So that's a win yes. for the Players Association there. We yes. Have. So the league gave some ground on that one, uh, and that was what was recommended, so good good move there. So that's one big step in the right direction. Now they got to deal with uh, opt-outs. they got to deal with, um, you know, uh, the, all the health stuff, the rest of that, making sure all the IDERs, emergency response plans are in and everything like that. But I feel like they can get there. I I think, what, what do you think about the preseason game? So, like, the players want this 48-day acclimation period, and I think they should get it, and I wouldn't mind going no preseason games this year to give mm-hmm. it to them because – of if you look back to 2011 in the year of the strike, right? Um, yeah. There was a 25% spike in injuries when there was no OTAs, no off season. So that's mm-hmm. that's real. That's a real fear. And I think that giving them that 21 days of strength and conditioning, and then you know another two weeks without pads, and then finally getting into pads, I think you need to give them that time. Yeah. No. I mean, this is this is a this this is definitely a victory because this this is a serious issue that affects everybody. This isn't like a this isn't like a small thing or a sectional thing or a, a state state thing. This is a national worldwide thing, really. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and and the players are saying, "Hey, we want to play." Yesterday, you saw the hashtag, "We want to play." Every player was saying, "We just want to make sure that we're safe, that we're healthy, because we have loved ones." We're we're you're asking us to like not only put our bodies on the line, but our health on the line now. Because now we're gonna now you know contact was one thing before where it hurt now contact with the wrong person can make you really sick and it's, and in severe cases even kill you and so like the fact that, that now they want to do daily testing is is like is great because first of all I don't even know why this was an issue to begin with and like the NFL couldn't okay. afford it agreed yeah totally agree it shouldn't have um, been an issue at all yeah I totally agree with you I don't, I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why there's pushback from it. It sounds like something that's, you know, one, obtainable because of the money the NFL has, and two, reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> it just seems like a reasonable request. Yeah, it's a reasonable request, no doubt. And I think it was just about the money for the NFL. They know they're going to take losses this year, and they're probably trying to minimize those. But when it comes down to it, it's about – I mean, the players are doing this right. So they have requested that, you know – in these negotiations, Shane, uh, that they only negotiate the health and safety stuff first and then the financial after that. And that's smart because they know that the NFL was going to use their, like, the financial aspect to make them make concessions elsewhere. So, like, you know, I don't want to lose this money. I want to do this. So, hey, I'll give make a concession on daily testing or this health protocol. And that's not right. So when you mix the two and you're making a concession on safety for money, that they were right to do that, I think. You know what I mean? 
um, so to keep those separate because there's no reason that they should be making any concessions on health stuff. No, I, I totally agree, especially with something this severe. I mean, when concussions like or became, became like the hot button issue, they said we want we want to play, we want to be safer. Yeah, we want we want we want more we want more accurate testing. We want safer equipment, and the NFL eventually caved in, and now they're doing the same thing here. It's the right thing to do. Agreed. Uh, so, other around the NFL news here, real quick, and then we're going to, uh, if you hang in there, folks, we're going to dive into the PFT preseason power rankings and get some react on uh, on what we think of how they rank teams around the NFL. Should be fun. Uh, we're going to do that here listening to Brad Ward. I'm your host of All Eyes on Cleveland and our special guest, Shane Carter, writer for Inside the Star and host of Dem Boys Podcast. Uh, so, no fans. Today comes down no fans in for any Jets game or any Giants game via New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy. Uh, so that that's kind of brutal for you know both organizations, um, especially you know I don't know if you pay attention to stuff like this with the gambling and everything, but they actually have a FanDuel sportsbook in the Meadowlands now, um, and they'll like you can go in there and bet and they'll shuttle you right over to the game and everything. So. That's a lot of lost money there with that ruling from their New Jersey, New Jersey governor. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, it's gonna be I mean money, money is the name of the game, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> anytime there's some kind of anytime time some kind of ruling comes out, anytime some kind of some kind of pushback, or anytime the NFL owners or Roger Goodell, whoever, doesn't come out with an immediate ruling about anything, it's because they're considering that one thing. And, and factors in all of it, and that's, and that's money. So yeah. we can't act surprised about that. Yeah, I mean, they're going to just uh, a lot of losses they're going to take over there. I wonder if they'll even open up that sports book. Uh, we'll see how – I don't know what the protocol is. Because basically whether fans can go into the stadium is a state-by-state basis, right? So mm-hmm. uh, it'll be interesting to see. Well, I live uh, in Texas, one of the hotbed states, and so – I don't know if they're going to rule on something, but I would like them to because yeah. as much as I love my state, I love my state like it's my like it's my child. But sometimes you got to pop your child in the back of the head when they're doing stupid stuff. I agree. I agree. Uh, a lot of stupid stuff going on right now in this world, my man. Um, but uh, so, and then Antonio. Speaking of stupid stuff, Antonio Brown retires. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you believe him? Do you believe him that he's retiring? I uh, I believe he's retired as much as I believe Kanye gave up his presidential run. I don't really know, man. I I mean, he, he, he is it really retiring when no one wants to hire you, or is that like a forced retirement? <laughs> right, exactly. That's exactly what I thought. Uh, how long does this last? I wrote down probably. I mean, how long can he stand to be insignificant? Is the question. I I guess. Like at some point, um, I guarantee his name comes up again as reemerging and making a comeback. So I mean, he's a good guy. Two years of football. Um, the team's got to be desperate enough to pay him, and he's gonna have to want to go want to go there and want to and they'll have to want to deal with all that stuff. I mean, the Patriots I mean, said the Patriots said, "Hey, we'll we'll have this guy for one game, and then it's just gonna take it." If the Patriots, who are the model franchise in the NFL the last twenty years, don't want to deal with you. That's probably a sign that other teams ain't gonna to want to take the risk. 
Yeah, and they already did it. I mean, they already tried that, this experiment last year. So um, I doubt they revisit Antonio Brown ever. But I get you know the 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 tricky thing with him too is if he ever does try to come back, he's going to be facing a, a, a league suspension immediately. Um, so if you're taking him on, you're taking him on after X amount of games. And I don't know what that would be because um, it, it's a lot. There, there's a lot of conduct there, detrimental, you know. So kind of like what uh, oh, we all went to a Josh Gordon. Every time uh, he would come back, he, he yeah. had like service suspension, and that 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 went on for like four or five years. Yeah. And I mean, for all I know, he's still technically a part of the organization, but we just don't know. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I think I don't know what's going to happen with him. He got he's I think he's getting reinstated. Uh, you know they changed the weed rules in the NFL. Now a lot of people mention that, but he his addiction problems go a lot deeper than just marijuana. If you yeah. follow this, um, but still, uh, you know he was with he was productive for for Seattle um, at the end of last year. You know, and then he just went away again at the end of the year. He kind of does that. Um, where he like almost like preemptively strikes a, a relapse and and checks himself in. He's done it a few years in a row. So um, it's hard, you know. I'm rooting for the guy, you know, definitely. So I hope he gets another chance. I hope I hope maybe Seattle will bring him back. Uh, I know that that uh, he likes it there, according to a couple people. So. We'll see what happens with him. Antonio Brown, we both don't believe it, right? Uh, you think this? You think we'll hear rumors about him trying to come back this season? Probably. It'll probably, probably. Be, it'll probably be a team like, uh, I don't know, like Seattle or Tampa. A yeah. team, you know, a team that, like, needs a receiver because one of the receivers got hurt or because their quarterback ain't getting enough, enough of production out of them. Yeah. Maybe uh, maybe Miami, if, if Tua becomes a starter. And because he lives in Miami. And so yeah. it'd be a quick drive for him down there. I mean, it, he's going to be tied to a lot of these teams, but a lot. Of the, I'm not saying a lot of these teams really want to deal with him. I Agreed. Just, he'll I be mentioned. With him. He'll be he'll be mentioned, but I, I don't think he goes anywhere. At least not this year. Yeah. So he supposedly announces his retirement today, but as you said, that's probably more of just a uh, a PR move. Uh, <laughs> throwing that word retirement out there is kind of like nobody really wanted to. Deal with it right now. Uh, a lot of a lot of other things to deal with for teams uh, this year. Uh, getting uh, training camp started here, so uh, we are gonna do uh, Pro Football Talks 2020 preseason power rankings. Okay, uh, and react to them, and let's uh, let's see what uh, what you think. I've got some thoughts on this, so we'll start at the back end. Okay. Uh, With the huge mess of an organization, they're unnamed, they are uh, in hot water, uh, the Washington scoundrels is what I want to call them, right? Uh, (laughs) uh, But yeah, Washington is 32 on this list, we'll go in five here, Jaguars 31, Panthers 30 with new coach Matt Rule. Uh, Giants, uh, second-year quarterback, uh, um, and uh, Daniel Jones at 29, and then the Bengals and Joe Burrow at 28. 
thoughts on uh, Washington Jaguars, Panthers, Giants, Bengals, uh, Bengals? What do you think of that? I think the Panthers are way too low. Yeah. I think it's I think it's because they had Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. Even though I thought he should, I'm glad he got signed somewhere. I thought he earned his money. I think it's because they have a rookie head coach coming in from college ranks of the NFL. I like that rule though. And also, I mean, I I do too. I also like uh, I also like the new receiving core. If you look at the receiving trio, they have DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson on the outside, and Curtis Samuel on the inside. They got a really athletic Ian Thomas at tight end. They have arguably the best, if not at the very least, the most complete running back in Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. They still have great defensive. They still have great defensive players. Obviously, Luke Keek is gone, but I mean, they still have other great defensive players there. I think this is way too low. I think it is too. I'm putting a, I'm putting a mark by them. I don't have a problem with the Jaguars at 31 and Washington at 32. Uh, the Giants, I have, I think that's too low for them. I think they're better than 29. You disagree? They made, they made a lot of moves. Uh, they made a lot of moves to the offensive line, which is good. They had a uh, they had a nice little surprise receiver day of Slayton break out for him last year, and Saquon Barkley is going to be a factor. He was kind of a factor last year, but health obviously slowed him down. And they got some nice defensive players coming back. And they also, I mean, I like probably the potential more than I like what they maybe this, really are. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, like, I like what they could be more than what they are right now, if that makes sense. So, like, right yeah. now, I guess I'm fine with them being a bottom five team. It wouldn't surprise me if they move up along, as the year goes along. Okay. That's fair. Bengals, I don't have a problem with them at 28, do you? No, I mean, they're the worst teams here. They, I mean, I love the Joe Burrow pick. They got T. Higgins. They made a lot of good moves in, uh, in the offseason, both in the draft and in free agency. I mean, they're doing the right things. But, like, the same thing with the Giants. It's way too early to tell with them, and they're rightfully placed in the bottom five. All right. So let's go to uh, – we're going to do 27 through 22 here. Uh they have the Lions at 27, mm-hmm. the Dolphins at 26, the Bears at 25. We don't know if we start there yet. Uh, quarterback. The Jets at 24, the Rams at 23, and the Raiders at 22. Anything jump out as uh, too low for you? Uh, you know. The Dolphins kind of remind me of the Giants where I like a lot of the potential. I think the Dolphins yeah. are actually going to be a really improved team this year. Not necessarily they're going to be a playoff team, but they made a lot of changes to their offensive line. They got they tanked for Tua. Even though I thought they'd ruin it, they still ended up getting Tua. Yeah. They, uh, I, I, I love Brian Flores, their head coach. He's a great coach. But the one thing that really stands out to me on this list, you know, it's uh, is the Raiders. I think that they probably did the most work in the last two years for their team than maybe some of the other bottom teams in the NFL. It wouldn't surprise me if they're going to compete for at least at the very least a wild card this year. So I think the Raiders are a little too low. Yeah, I think they are. I think the I don't you know they have the Rams at twenty three, and I think that's fair to have them there. But I think they potentially could be a lot better than that. Um, you know. Uh, that's just where I'm at with the Rams. I still regard them as like a uh, probably a playoff caliber team. So I, I think I have that's probably a little too low for me at 23. Jets, I don't have a problem. Bears, I think are kind of a mess right now, even though they still have a good defense. Right. But I, I don't really have a problem. With, I agree with you. The Raiders have some 
there is there is reason for optimism, absolutely. Um, and and uh, I just think uh, my only other problem there would be I think I, I think I would bump the Rams up maybe just a couple of spots. Let's see what we got here and see if we run into anything that we think maybe it's too high. Uh, we've got the Chargers at 21, Cardinals at 20, Falcons at 19, Browns at 18, Texans at 17. Uh, the Chargers are absolutely placed. They have a uh, they have a great roster, but they have but their quarterback situation is is up in the air because even though Tyrod Taylor is gonna pro- gonna probably start, when is Je- when is Justin Herbert rookie gonna come in? Right. And if anyone anyone who follows follows me on Twitter knows that I wasn't the biggest Justin Herbert fan, but I understand they had to they had to get him. I think they'd have been better off honestly either going after Teddy Bridgewater or Cam Newton than going for Justin Herbert. But I wasn't his biggest fan. But obviously they made up their mind. The Cardinals I think are one of the more improved teams this year. I, I like I said earlier on the show, Kyler Murray's an early favorite for me for MVP. I think that's a really good call by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's. Uh... I think that'll be a trendy, kind of a popular pick, but I, I do think, I mean, he he's tremendous, and uh, I think with what the weapons around him and uh, that offense, I, I, you know, I look for them to do big things. I don't really have a problem with them at 20, though. Go ahead. Uh, the Falcons, uh, I think they're, they're like one of those purgatory teams, you know, are they good or are they bad? You don't really know. They have good pieces, mm-hmm. but, but, but they don't always live up to their potential. I I, I don't know what to make of him. The Falcons confused me. Yeah, one and seven start, six and two finish. I mean, what the heck, right? Uh, it's just uh, you don't really know what they are. Uh, I agree. Brown, uh, Brown, Browns at 18. Yeah. Thoughts on that? Browns, like I said, I think they're, they're going to compete for a wild card spot this year. I really like their team. I think if you put them there, put them there at 18, because now no one's trying to make the mistake of last year of overhyping them. Exactly. So I think right now, right now they're trying to be a little more reserved. Like, okay, they're not a bottom ten team, but they're not a top ten team. I think you put them in that thirteen to eighteen range, more the middle tier, and allow them to moving up, moving down, and save space. So I think eighteen is probably fine for right now, but I think they're going to be one of those teams competing for that like last spot come uh, come December. Um, I agree. Um, the Texans at seventeen. I think that is too low. I like the Texans. I, I love the Texans. I hate their coach, Bill O'Brien. I do not know what to make of this man. I, I he's a dude. He is. If if they had changed their coaches, they would have saved themselves at least three or four spots. I don't know what to. How, how, they had. I think the they had the best receiver in the game, DeAndre Hopkins. They had an emergent. They had an emergent offensive line. They finally fixed the offensive line. They had their franchise quarterback, Deshaun Watson. They had one of the best receiving cores, one through six in the league. They had elite defensive players on the team. Obviously, they made that. They made that mess up in KC where they started off shutting them out and then they got shut out in the rest of the game. But I mean, that, that happened. But they. It looks like they're trying to do a complete overhaul. They're getting rid of all the good pieces and they're not getting rid of the man who's responsible for it all. I, yeah. I, I I think he's I think honestly I think seventeen right now is earned. They're they're not a bad team. They're still a playoff caliber team, but they don't deserve to be top ten at least not yet. So yeah, I don't have them top ten, but here's where I'll, I'll tell you I have a problem. And I have the benefit of looking at this right now, but so they got the Colts at sixteen, they got Broncos at fifteen, Packers fourteen, Vikings thirteen, mm-hmm. Cowboys twelve. 
Okay. Um, I the a lot of people, a lot of national pundits love the Broncos, right? Mm-hmm. They're already mm-hmm. crowning them as like the next elite team out there to like kind of up you know challenge the Chiefs. I'm not buying it. Um, I'm selling that, and I'm saying the Texans are better than them, and I think How much the Browns you- are better than them. How much you selling them for? Because <laughs> I'm buying the Broncos. I like the Broncos. I I was like the biggest Drew Locke fan last year. I think the only quarterback I ranked ahead of him last year for, among the rookies was uh was Kyler Murray in the draft. And they go and Cortland Sutton likes Locke now. Yeah, Cortland Sutton um, um made it made it made a made a jump as a number one receiver, and they went out and gotten two more receivers. They got him uh, Jerry Jew, the best right runner in football. Uh, and the NCAA, and they got KJ Hamler, the slot receiver from Penn State, who some people think could be the next McCall Hardman. They already had a nice little surprise, not surprise, they had a nice little payback from first round tight end and George Fant. And they went out and got his teammate from Mizzou, Albert O. Quegua. And they call him Albert O because I can't pronounce his last name. But that was his teammate and his most targeted player out in Mizzou. And they're saying, hey, we're all in. We'll give you Melvin Gordon to, pa- to pair up with Phil Lindsay as well. We'll give you more offensive linemen. We're all in on you, Drew Locke, and I am too. Yeah. I they're not going to win the division. KC is going to win that division. But, you know, they ain't going to be a 4-12 and team. This team's going to win at least seven games next year. Yeah, I think they could do six, seven, eight. I don't know if that would be enough to get them in the playoffs. No. Um, but eight, I don't think eight will. But uh, I'm not there with Locke yet. I mean – so, like, I, I think he could be, like, a good starter in the NFL, but I'm not ready to, like, say that he's going to make this jump this year that uh, I think a lot of people think he's going to. And I know that people love his arm and, and his leadership and all that, and I, I don't uh, dispute that necessarily. I just think it's guys are going to go through growing pains uh, as a young quarterback, and he hasn't gone through them yet. I think until he does they won't be elite. But you're right. They they made a lot of moves. They made a lot of moves, mm-hmm. uh, certainly. You, you got a problem with the Packers at 14? Not really. I mean, I think a lot has to do with their defense. They emerged to Aaron Jones. And people still love Andrew Luck. Even I mean, not Andrew Luck. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. I'm on the cold. Aaron Rodgers. Even though I think Aaron Rodgers is on the decline and no one really wants to admit it, but he kind of is. I mean, otherwise, why would they draft Jordan Love? I mean, the Packers had – I mean, let's, let's just say it. They had the worst draft on paper in the this past April. They had, like, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers was screaming for more talent. Help me out. And what did they do? They draft a quarterback. They draft an H-back. And they draft another running back. They didn't need another running back when they, when they have Aaron Jones. They didn't need an H-back. A tight end would have been nice, but they got this uh, – and they got Segura kid from Cincinnati who's like a, a sub-tight end H-back player. They didn't get him a single receiver. Yeah. His receiving trio right now is Devontae Adams, who I love. I think Devontae Adams is an elite receiver, but he he does have his health issues from last year. Alan Lazard, who's more of like a jump ball kind of outside receiver, and Marquez uh, Marquez Vasquez Scantlin, who's like a nice little slot receiver option, but he's not like a game changer. He's not like he he they asked, he asked for help, and they're Did, saying didn't they that, get him? Didn't they get one wide receiver in free agency? Um, they got they got Devin Funches. Funches, I like Funches though. 
I uh, I, I think people like him more in theory. He's he's a big player that he's yeah. probably going to play in the slot. Yeah. But he's not like game changer. He's not that uh, num that true number two to Devontae Adams that they need. They have a bunch of guys fighting for number two, but they all smell at like number two. And I think the Packers are a little a uh, little over <laughs> are probably a little overplaced. But okay. I think. Among the ones that you just mentioned, hit the call to the highest of those plays, just because I no longer believe in Phillip Rivers. I think I don't they would have been, been better off going a different route. I agree. I, I think, honestly, if you're talking about this list from what we talked about so far, I moved the Colts down and I moved the I moved the Cardinals and, or the Browns in that spot instead. Because I'm not a believer in this Colts team with Phillip Rivers at the quarterback. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I would agree with you too. I would have them more. I agree with you too completely. I have them more down towards twenty where the Cardinals are. Maybe move them up. Yeah, because uh, you know, for me, Philip Rivers, he to me he hurt his team more than he helped them last year. And how do they think that's going to change this year? You know what I mean? I just don't know where the, the what the thinking is there. So the only the only benefit to going to Indianapolis is they do have a better offensive line, but they have worse weapons. Like T.Y. Yeah. Hilton's good, Jack Doyle's good. They have a bunch of question marks at the rest at the receiver position. They have a couple of nice young running backs in Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor. But I mean, if your quarterback is throwing to the other team more often than your team, then it won't matter who your weapons are. No question, no question. Uh, I think he is uh, on the decline there, um, and uh, and more rapid than some other guys at his age. So. Uh, let's look at your at your boys here at twelve. Cowboys at twelve, okay, was the last one I said. I think that's way too low, in my opinion. So yeah. let's let's look at the next. We'll go down to five, and then we'll do the top five. But let let's see where where you think the boys should be, and then okay. So the Steelers at eleven, mm-hmm. the Eagles at ten, mm-hmm. the Bills at nine. The mm-hmm. Titans at eight, and hang on, Seahawks at seven. What is going on here? And then the Bucks at six, right? I know you, it's not like your screen's having a little bit of issues. It, it's not uh, my screen. Mike, you gave me a wrong sheet of paper. God damn it! Oh, here it is. Sorry. <laughs> uh, the, the Seahawks at uh, seven, Bucks at six. Uh, so where would you put? The Cowboys. I uh, of those teams, I think the Cowboys are better than the Steelers. I mean, the Steelers have one of the best defenses in the league, but nope. I'm just not. I'm not. I'm not really a believer in uh, in Ben Roethlisberger anymore. I, I I'm just not. I, I Cowboys I are better. Yeah, I, I believe so too. The Eagles again. I I have a lot of respect for the Eagles and a lot of respect for Carson Wentz, even though they went out and drafted their franchise quarterback and Jalen Hurd in the second round. I uh, I like a lot of things they have coming back, and you know their their head coach like he he's able to make things out of nothing, and so I have a lot of respect for the Eagles and the organization. I don't have an issue with with them being ranked higher. I think the Cowboys can beat them. I'm not saying they can't, but I don't have an issue with them being ranked higher. The Bills are like one of those quiet. Uh, like kind of ninja teams, like people seem to forget how good they really are. And they're yeah, really they're going to be teams. good this year. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, Titans. I have no issue with them being ranked higher. They have a great, they have a great defense, great running game. And like Ryan Tannehill found his life there. I, I, I love that. Seahawks again. Like the, they have one of the best quarterbacks in the game. No issue with that. 
And the Buccaneers, I think people are selling a lot, like buying a lot of stock in the Buccaneers just because of Tom Brady. And I'm saying, hold on now, hold mm-hmm. on now. Mm-hmm. Like, like we're about to, we're about to really see this year who was who, who the real reason for all the success was. Was it Tom Brady or Bill Belichick? If Belichick is able to ball out with Cam Newton or Jared Sidham or whoever and go to the playoffs, or if Tom Brady is able to make it to the NFC Championship game or even the Super Bowl with with the Buccaneers, we're about to really find out who gets all the credit or at least the majority of the credit with their time together. Yeah, I, that, I, I agree. I just think the Bucks have a really good team all around, though. I mean, they're good, young on defense. Yep. They get they got great wide receivers. They got great weapons for Brady. Uh, I mean, I think if he plays decently, they're going to be a really good team. Yeah, no, and I don't have an issue with, uh, with them being – I have an issue with them being ranked high. I have an issue with them being ranked number six. I think uh, people okay. forget that because, like, a lot of those players coming back came back from the losing team. Yeah. And so they did improve on quarterback, especially for the fit with Bruce Arians. I think Tom Brady fits Bruce Arians way more than Jameis Winston does. But, again, we, we have to, like, slow down. This ain't 2007 Tom Brady. We have to acknowledge he is 43. He's still mm-hmm. a good quarterback, but, he, but, he, but how much of a jump are they going to make? You know, we'll see. We will see. Um, I would say, so for me, I think the Cowboys are better than the Steelers, and I think they're better than the Eagles. So I would have them at, like, 10. Uh, I would still have the Bills at 9. I don't have a problem with the Titans. i I'd probably swat, switch, <laughs> uh, switch or swap uh, Swammy, Samsonite, the uh, Bills and <laughs> the Titans, right, from 9 and 8. And then okay. – uh, I would have the Seahawks higher than seven. I have the Seahawks above the Buccaneers, and so I would have them at six. So let's go top five. At number one, the Chiefs. At number two, the 49ers. Okay. At number three, the Ravens. Number four, the Patriots. Guys, for a football talk, just love the Patriots no matter what. I know. Um, and then the Saints at five. So, any issue with the top five? Anybody yeah. would move in and out? Yeah, I do too. You tell me what yeah, I, I do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the Patriots. I mean, yeah. they have they have a great defense. They have the best coach in the game. But, I mean, and they have a good offensive line, but they have – Virtually nothing to offer at the receiver position. They have a question mark at the quarterback position. I think if they have a healthy Cam Newton, I think that they're better off. But I'm not gonna sit here pretend like you like think this, he's. You don't think he's healthy? I hope he's healthy. I really do because I, I'm a Cam Newton fan. But I'm not gonna sit I, here and pretend like health hadn't been his issue the last couple of years. I think he's healthy right now, though. Um, I, I, and I think that they're. Eventually they'll pick it up, and I expect them to be good this year. I just wouldn't have them out the gates at four. That's what. Yeah, I think Florio, the guy who wrote this, like kind of forgot that Brady and Belichick ain't together no more. Yeah, he loves he loves the Patriots. But but uh, like Cam Newton's swagger is infectious. I, I I'm excited because I, I know that people are talking about like that they love Jared Sidham. You can love Jared Stidham as your next guy because Cam Newton, if he is healthy, is better and a better option. Let's oh. not kid ourselves there. 
Let's but talk yeah, about the, all the things that they can do offensively with Cam Newton. I mean, you know, Josh McDaniels is going to have a field day. They're going to have, you know, uh, they're going to run him. He's on a one-year deal. I mean, they'll probably run him, use him up, uh, you know, uh, 10 rushes per game, just the threat of him being able to do that, six, seven rushes per game, the threat of the, you know, the read option and other things that they get creative with offensively. I think they could be really, really good once it comes together, you know, uh, offensively. So, I mean, Cam Newton opens up a whole new, uh, a whole new third of the playbook for them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, the Saints at five, like, I'm kind of wishy-washy about them being there. I, I, we, I think we all kind of know this probably Drew Brees is like last year, more than likely. Dude, I, uh, his arm is dead and gone. But yeah. Because of their offense, all you, you know, they don't do anything longer than like 10, 15 yards, right? So, mm-hmm. and, it's, and it works. So, all you have to be is accurate. So, like, Madden had him rated 93 as a quarterback this year. Are you kidding me? He can't even throw, like, 30 yards down the field anymore. I mean, hey, in the offense, the long ball. he'll still put up the numbers in the offense, but that's Sean Payton's offense. You know I mean? That's, that's just what it does. I mean, you could probably go back there and throw for that amount of yards. I'm not going to sit here and say I'm going to have a throwing competition against Drew Brees, but uh, I, I, I see what you're saying. I would have swapped uh, the Seahawks and the Saints. I think the Seahawks are, are, should be should be a top-five team. I, Me too. I, I, I would take them all the way up to four. Yeah, so swap them and the Patriots? Okay. Yeah, yeah and, I, and, I, and I would have I, the Patriots below the Saints. Yeah, and I would actually swap the uh, the Titans for the Saints too. I think the Seahawks should have been four and the Titans should have been five. I think the Titans are getting way undervalued. I think Cooper's forget how good they were last year. I can buy that. I buy them. As, I like them as a good team. Um, certainly. Uh, yeah. So but, if we so if we reshuffle the deck, mm-hmm. do you have a problem with the Chiefs at one? Not at all. They have the best player in football, uh, and they just won the Super Bowl. So no. Forty Niners at two. No, because they have a great young defense. And they have a kind of an underrated quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo. Obviously, he's kind of inconsistent, but they got him a lot of weapons, and they have a have kind of a favorable division right now because they because they're able to they know how to beat Seattle and they know how to slow down Kyler Murray. So I have no issue with them being two. Yeah, I have no issue with them at two. They're a complete team, I think, um, and their run game is devastating. Um, the the Ravens at three, I have no issue with. Nope, I love you. Lamar Jackson. Uh, I. I know it's hard for Browns fans probably to hear this, but the Ravens are they're gonna be good for a while. Uh, they're gonna be good for a long time again. <laughs> and then um yeah, I know it sucks, right? Oh that man so ridiculous. Such a pain in the ass. The evil empire. Um so and then uh at at uh, four, I think we I like the Seahawks at four. Mm-hmm. Now who and you like the Titans at five? Let me see yep. if there's anybody else I wanna put there. I don't think so. I, I like the Titans, too. I think we agree on that. Um, mm-hmm. So reshuffling the deck, there's our top five. You heard it, you heard it here first on All Eyes on Cleveland. Special guest Shane Carter. 
Shane, it has been an absolute pleasure. I've had a blast. I kept you for a way long time. I hope you enjoyed it. I don't mind it. Uh, yeah, it was great. That was good stuff. We covered just about everything you can. So uh, thank you so much. Uh, make sure you follow Shane on Twitter, at Shane Carter, TX for everything NFL and Dallas Cowboys. He writes for the Cowboys at Inside the Star and is the host of Dem Boys Podcast where you can uh, you can listen to that where all popular podcasts are found. Any parting words for me, brother? Uh, for this for this upcoming season, uh, any just uh, yeah, any words uh, you want to say before we uh, before we go? I hope the dogs are barking because the pound's coming. Yeah, me too, brother. Me too. I don't know if anybody will be barking in the dog pound, but I still hope it. <laughs> still, I just want. Once at a time, I just want to watch. Let's get the season started. I'll be, you know, I'm I, I'm worried. I just want to know that we're gonna have football to watch first, you know, and then and then we'll worry about uh, getting fans in there and stuff. But yeah, I uh, I hope the Browns can do it too. I hope I think the Cowboys are gonna be really good. You made for a great guest day, and thank you so much, sir. No problem. Shane Carter, terrific guest from Inside the Star, covering the Dallas Cowboys, host of Dem Boys Podcast, found where all popular podcasts can be found. You're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland. I'm your host, Brad Ward. Mikey's on the ones and twos behind the glass doing his thing as we bring you back here. We're going to finish things out here today. Um, with our NFL, NFL PA update. And we have, we have news. We have breaking news. Yes, so breaking news, uh, the, uh, we have progress. We have progress from the NFL and the NFLPA in their meeting today. Uh, there is a proposal on the table, and a lot has changed. So let's start with yesterday uh, in our update, okay? So yesterday, media, social media blitz from the players um, where they basically all at the same time took to social media with the hashtag we want to play. 
um, saying and, you know, making points about uh, following um, medical personnel's suggestions and that they need answers from the NFL to get this camp underway on time on the 28th, eight days away from today. Today's the 20th. Uh, and yesterday was the 19th when this happened. So here's J.J. Watt. Well, J.J. Watt was part of this again, and, and his tweet once again laid out the issues that they needed clarity on. So we're going to go step-by-step through his tweet real quick. His first uh, topic as he uh, put these out in, you know, like headlines or, or uh, line-by-line Topic. So he wrote on the first line, we want to play. We want to be as safe as possible. The third line, the NFL can mandate that players show up to training camp regardless if any agreement has been released uh, or uh, reached between NFL and NFLPA. Now that's excluding a grievance from the Players Association. If they feel they're unsafe and they are ordered to report, they will file a grievance, which is why today's progress is so huge. We will get to that momentarily. His next line, we still have not been granted the full and proper training camp acclimation period necessary as recommended by the medical and training staffs. The problem here is this, for me, goes hand-in-hand with the preseason games. Okay, and I told you there was progress, and we'll get to that. But what the acclimation period that they're asking for looks like is this. 21 days after reporting of conditioning and strength. 14 days of basically like OTAs. So no pads, helmets, running around, installs, all that good stuff. Then uh, you would have... um, a period of pads leading into week one. So you'll have full contact periods in practice leading into week one. The reason that this acclimation period is so important is because if you look back to 2011, in the year of the lockout, when players reported to camp without any OTAs or regimented preseason up to that point, injuries spiked by 25%. This is a real fear and a real concern for the NFLPA. His list continues. We still do not know if there will be daily testing every other day or etc. So the NFLPA wants every day testing, which is supposedly supposed to cost the NFL uh, upwards of $100 million if they were to agree to that. Next line. Preseason games, question mark. Next line, a strong opt-out clause for those at higher risk or family at high risk still not agreed upon. The NFL PA wants the ability to opt out if they are uncomfortable with the protocols and even, you know, for whatever reason, you know, some... In some way, they're immunocompromised themselves or family is uh, higher risk. Then they want to be able to opt out of the season 
and I believe still get paid and still get an accrued season, which is a lot to ask in my opinion. We'll get to that in moments. If players do not show up on time, they can be fined or considered in breach of contract, even if health and safety protocols have not been agreed upon or IDERS approved. IDERS is the Infectious Disease Emergency Response Plan. We've talked about this so far. We know for sure three teams have received their IDER, their emergency response plan, and signed off on it. Two of those teams were the Kansas City Chiefs and the Houston Texans that had rookies report to camp today. That enabled them to report to camp and not have to worry about the 20 people maximum in the building that the NFLPA said would be their, you know, kind of stipulation until we get this IDER in place for each team. A team without an IDER will have a 20-player maximum in the facility. So all the players that arrived today in Kansas City and Houston were able to go through their onboarding, uh, which is you know, the testing on the first and fourth day, etc., which is all in place. Now, the financial aspects of things get crazy. Uh, as if there was a truncated season, what the ramifications would be financially for players, uh, the um, league, the league is going to face losses as is. They want to take those hits in the first two years. The NFLPA, concerned about the salary cap as they should be, wants to spread it over the 10 years of the just recently agreed upon uh, collective bargaining agreement and keep that cap flat, which seems to make a lot more sense to me. There's a TV deal in there that they can kind of borrow against that they know is going to be there uh, in the future, Um, and this is a way that you could avoid like a $60, $70 million dip in the cap, which would cause for a lot of lost jobs in the NFL. Along the lines with the financial stuff, an important thing to keep in mind, and I think this is key, the Players Association does not want to negotiate financial aspects of this agreement and health and safety agreements at the same time. Because they don't want to be forced to make concessions in their health and safety department to try to get what they want financially. Makes perfect sense. As you know, that that is how the NFL would probably try to get what they want. Or get certain things that they want um, when it comes to the money. So let's talk about the proposal. Here is the good news today. Breaking news. Coming out of the meetings with the owners. They are going to propose daily testing. So they have come to the players and met them with daily testing for the first two weeks. And then every other day after that, as long as the percentage of positive tests is under 5%. If it's over 5%, the daily testing continues. That is a win for the NFLPA. I believe they will accept that. 
the NFL agrees. No preseason games. Now, the concern here was logistically, if you're, for example, we learned today and talked about that there would be no fans like in New York for all season, it sounds like, right? Um, For the Jets or the Giants. But some places, they're going to have fans. And they may have as many as 15,000, 20,000 people. Because it is according to the local ordinances. Governors, state laws, where you're at with this COVID-19. So, um, the NFL agrees, no preseason games. Now, the, the, the concern about logistics, I would say that if you read about the acclimation period and training camp protocols, they are uh, allowed two fan events in the stadium. For me, this is when you hash out those logistics. You do a um, inter-squad inter- scrimmage. You have fans there if fans are allowed there. And this is when you get your protocols and game day type uh, entrance you know, fans entering, fans with masks, fans social distancing, all the things that they want to make sure are in place um, for safety in trying to get this done during a pandemic can be done on these inter-squad scrimmages, which usually happen for the fans anyways. They're like $5 usually to get in. They're usually pretty crowded and stuff. Obviously, there will be limits on these the same limits as they will have for their home games in areas. Some will have no fans, some will have some. Um, But either way, this is an opportunity logistically to get it right and get your your practice round through without having to play the preseason game. So for me, hand-in-hand, them agreeing to not play a preseason game should then allow them to get the acclimation period they want. However, Ian Rappaport uh, reported that reported that there was a proposed seven to eighteen day acclimation period uh, proposed by the NFL. They were looking for twenty one for strength and conditioning. So if they got eighteen, that'd be pretty damn close. With no preseason games, there really is no reason that they shouldn't get the period they're asking for. I think those go hand in hand. So you can check all three of those off. I believe as you know, a meeting point where the NFL and NFLPA would agree at this point. So great news today on this stuff as a huge step closer for them to be able to report on time, no grievances. Uh, The IDERs, I guess, are done for all 32 teams is what I've read. Uh, They still need to be uh, reviewed and signed off on. We know about the plan for the injured reserve and the non-football injury uh, list where it'll be amended this year in the NFL's proposal to allow unlimited returns where normally only two players, I believe it is, would be able to return from the injured reserve during an entire year. Uh, Players can be put on the IR, paid their full salary while they are infected with the COVID-19, get two negative tests after three weeks and return to the active roster and a roster exception would be made so that rosters can remain strong, uh, full with players, uh, even if several players are infected at once. 
These are all things that I think will go through with the proposal. So, we've knocked a lot of things out then. What remains? A big question. Financial aspects of the opt-out. The current league offer is this, or proposal is this. They want a decision by August 1, and it's irrevocable. So they can't change it. You make a decision, you opt out, you're out. They would receive a $150,000 stipend immediately. They would receive none of their base salary. They would receive no credit for a season in the league. So basically in 2021, their contract would go right back into effect as if it was 2020, and it would pick up there. So they would not be penalized or anything like that. They would get a stipend that would come out of their later salary. Uh, Any bonuses paid in advance. Uh, So, you know, say you were owed $2 million of a $10 million signing bonus uh, that was paid out in year two of your contract, and you get that at the start of uh, the league year, and you've already received that now, um, that is something you don't have to give back. The difference would be if you didn't choose the opt-out, went to camp for two weeks, and say late August decided you didn't want to do it anymore, that would be money that the league could ask for back. However, if you do the opt-out, you keep your bonus money, you get your stipend, you get no salary, you get no accrued season. It's interesting. I thought they would allow them to receive their salary. The accrued season is the one for me that I think would be too much and unfair to the teams. Um, How is it fair for the Cowboys if DeMarcus Ware opts out and there goes one full season that they signed him to. Um, I understand that people are going to have to opt out for certain reasons, potentially. And it seems like a real quick timeline, but that's what the NFL wants. They want you to make a decision now, and they want you to live with it. That's the proposal at this point. That may be a sticking point. Now, what we I have heard as we moved along with this progress, though, if they can make sure these IDERs get signed off on, Acclimation period, okay. We have an opt-out date and no preseason games, daily testing. I would think at this point, teams should be planning to report on time. Those are all critical issues. And financially, they said at one point, They would have no problem taking some of the financial issues like the cap moving forward and everything into training camp period as they continue to negotiate. So I would expect teams to report on time at this point. I think that's fantastic news. I think the uh, daily testing is needed. I think the no preseason games is a good idea this year. It'll give players more time to prepare to get their bodies. The acclimation period of 21 days makes sense to me with the uh, real uh, fear of injury. Having not been through OTAs and ramped their bodies up, they need a ramp-up period. This is good stuff.
Progress, people. Progress. This is what we needed to hear today. That's what we needed to hear today. Progress for sure. Greedy! Greedy? Don't be greedy. <laughs> Both sides. All right. Don't be greedy. <laughs> greedy. Yes, sir. Don't be greedy. Both sides. We're going to get up and out of here. Thank you so much for listening to All Eyes on Cleveland. Please catch the podcast where all popular podcasts are found. Mikey on the ones and twos. Go to alleyesoncleveland.com. We'll be published tomorrow morning at USA Today Sports Media Groups, thebrownswire.com. Keep an eye on that site. We'll have another show on Thursday. Look for all the writing from Jeff Risden, myself, and others at The Wire. Uh, this has been a tremendous show. I enjoyed a great time with Shane. Big thanks to Shane. Make sure you tell him so. At All Eyes on Cleve, the pin tweet is where you can get the All Eyes on Cleveland t-shirts. Go grab one if you want one. You saw the handsome Eric Metcalf wearing one. You saw uh, Ken Carmen with one. You'll see others with them in the future. Go grab them if you want at Public. The link is there at All Eyes on Cleve. This has been All Eyes on Cleveland, the podcast. For Mikey on the ones and twos, I am Brad Ward. We are out. The hotness talked about but never seen at the Loch Ness. Till you cop this, dropping inside your vein and like a train, you be running throughout your legs and arms. You're high off a talented chart. Check the caliber, just be a smash like some food on stage with Gallagher. Where you fib, cause it's messy. Niggas scheming on my girl as if my name was Jesse. Watch your manners, now let me pass it off to Dave. I said travels like hammering the roof, small talking in the big city. It's all about getting the coins. Everywhere I go, I touch a tenderloin. It's sporting a dot com, Viet Mark, a bomb on your metro. Modern order, I ain't horse. Yo, take the cross and meet a nigga at the butcher. Cutting your girl, we on a world tour. Supplying your bloodstream with nothing but the pure uncut. And your times running through your city. If you're missing out, it'll show we a bit. We got high times running through your city. We ain't walking on the yellow brick road. These streets stay red and bloody. Kids study your code so you can easily pass. I stash a little love when I'm on the visitation. If you cross my lines, nigga, do the same. I'm guaranteed to run through and prove the game. Ain't bigger than the pieces in it. You see the pieces in it had me stuck traveling one side of the map. Clapping hands with rat cats who ain't deserve that. Long hauls and living out of suitcase, man. Chicken heads and gangs of fruitcakes, man. Ain't nothing better than exploring the outskirts, especially when she ain't got no pantyhose on and it's on. High times running through your city. If you're missing out, it'll show we your pity. We got high times running through your city. city, city. Mm-hmm. High times running through your city. If you're missing out, it'll show we your pity. We got high times running through your city. city, city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like the mercenary getting down. And we got Dave Banner getting down. And we got Macy O getting down. And of course, my nigga Eno getting down. And we got JD getting down. And of course, Slump V getting down. And we got my man Christ getting down. And we got Tom Sense getting down. And we got ND getting down. You know Joy Hightower getting down. And we got C. Smith getting down. And my nigga Dave West getting down. Come on. And we got Mr. Man getting down. Come on. Greedy!
All right. <laughs> Greedy. Yes, sir. <laughs>